Welcome to the Under 8 Podcast, a daily college basketball show brought to you every weekday in under eight minutes. At the time of recording, it is Sunday, December 3rd at 8.15 p.m. My name is Josh Molinex. On today's pod, a tough weekend for top 15 teams. Kansas beats UConn at Fog Allen, and UConn and Stanford fall on the women's side. It's all right now on the Under 8 Podcast. Northwestern 92, number one Purdue 88, Wisconsin 75, number three Marquette 64, Georgia Tech 72, number seven Duke 68, UNC Wilmington 80, number 12 Kentucky 73. Josh, a tough weekend to be a top 15 team. Where do you want to go? Yeah, it's too many to actually cover all of them individually. So we're putting them together and the the question kind of here is which team are you most concerned about? Uh, my answer is Duke. I'll lay this out pretty quickly. I've said before, we've talked about it. Purdue will beat themselves if they can't shoot threes and take or take care of the ball. They didn't do either. They still almost beat a good Northwestern team on the road, took it to overtime. That's just Purdue being Purdue. There's nothing new we learned there. Marquette just had an awful day offensively. Wisconsin had some things happen that don't happen very often, specifically Max Klismet. So not super worried about that one. Kentucky Aaron Bradshaw is now starting to work his way back. They're still not who they're going to be. Duke is just having a hard time beating anybody on the road right now. Yeah. And we also learned that this Duke team, like other Duke teams, has a hard time taking care of business against ACC teams. So to me, that is the short explanation, but the Duke loss was the most concerning for me. Yeah, I think I agree here, and you kind of laid it out. I listen. Purdue is Purdue is turnovers, and Purdue is three point shooting. And if they have trouble with either or both of those things, they're going to uh, they're going to struggle on a lot of on a lot of different nights. Even when Zach Eady has the night that that he did. So I, I didn't really learn anything new there. I think that's that's just kind of the way that it is. It's Wisconsin generally like once a year, you know, once every other year, couple times a year, depending on what season we're talking about, like has a really good team come into their building and walk out as a loser. Purdue and it tends last to be year. Marquette. Right. And, and it tends to be, right. It's Marquette. It's, it's somebody that you would never pick Wisconsin to beat on a neutral floor. And it still doesn't totally make sense, but you know, it, it, they do weird things like hold a Marquette team that has a argument that they are the best offensive unit in the sport. And they go in there and only score 64 points. Kentucky is young and Kentucky does this. Uh, Kentucky, when you have young players, they do things like silly things like lose to Evansville or lose to UNC Wilmington. And we get to the end of the year and it seems like it was a million years ago and Kentucky has, has figured it out. I am, I'm just not sure that anything that we expected from Duke outside of Kyle Filipowski and maybe Jeremy Roach. Jeremy Roach has been awfully good in these losses. Yeah is what we were expecting it to be, right? You, you you lose Tyrese Proctor earlier in, early in this game because of an ankle injury. Um, 
but the way he's played thus far, it, you know, it it's not like you lost 17 points, really solid distributing impacts. So of course he makes an impact on the game, but it's not like you you just kind of lost something that was a guarantee. He's been pretty up and down so far. And you look up and down the rest of the roster, like, you know, who's in the starting lineup kind of thing. You know, Jeremy McCain, three of 10. He's either been like solid or not very good at all, depending on the night. Um, you know, and, and unfortunately, you know, he's, he's actually shooting it just fine from a three point shooting perspective. But when Jared McCain is the only super consistent three point threat on your team, having one guy shooting 40% from the three point line doesn't carry as much weight as it might otherwise there are four of 16 from the three-point line jeremy roach has actually been the one that's like one of the more consistent three-point threats and you look you look on the bench and it's okay i mean is tj power like going to be an impactful guy this year um how much can i depend on caleb foster i'm just not sure that outside of filipowski and roach there's anything that i can count on from duke right now on a night in night out basis and that's going to translate to some losses that that jump off the page in ACC play, especially on the road. The ceiling is still there. I firmly believe that. Sure. They're just nowhere near as close to the ceiling as I thought they were. And, and the floor I is lower than I thought. And I didn't think like they're very they're in a similar place to to Kentucky in a sometimes I see it and sometimes I don't. But with Kentucky, it makes sense that it would take a little while for it to really iron itself out and you see it every single night. That wasn't part of the, that wasn't what was on the menu for Duke coming into this season. So the fact that we're still doing that and it's December 3rd and it seems to be up and down. And that was probably the worst they've looked all season against Georgia tech. Who's a sub 100 Kempom team, you know, even after, <laughs> even after the win, I mean, you know, they were 152nd at, at Kempom after a loss to Cincinnati by 35. So that's um, that jumps off the page in a in a very real way. But Duke, not the only top 15 team to have a very uh, to have a poor weekend, but that one I think sticks out for sure. At Fog Allen, Big East Big 12 battle, number five Kansas, 69, number four UConn. 65 there were times i thought kansas was going to win this game there were times i thought uconn were going was going to win this game but ultimately despite 31 from tristan newton 31 um it was 21 5 uh 21 and 5 from kevin mcculler it was 15 and 9 from hunter dickinson it was 18 5 from kj adams that was enough those three guys uh carrying kansas to a win at home this game, if you didn't actually watch it, you can't begin to comprehend just based on the box score, which usually is a very good indicator, what happened in this game. Mm -hmm. UConn should have been down at least 10, if not 15 or 20 points instead of 7 at halftime. Mm -hmm. That was some of the worst attempted execution of an offensive game plan and of, of set plays I have ever seen. It was so bad that I think they showed it at halftime. Danny Hurley in the huddle goes, guys, we got to be able to just improvise and make things happen and go off script. 
because nothing is working. That's what happened in the first half. But Tristan Newton made so many ridiculous shots that they stayed in the game. And then they actually pulled it together for about 10 minutes. And then it looked like they were going to inexplicably win. And then Kevin McCullough hit a couple threes. Kansas really stepped up offensively and won the game as they should have. But it's first I, I in the first half, I was just thinking, oh, this is Kansas. This is what Kansas is supposed to be. They were phenomenal defensively and really, really good all game, but specifically in the first half. And the big three stepped up and first couple pl- minutes, Dewan Harris making some plays. I thought, oh, here we go. They got four guys now. And then Dewan Harris was nowhere to be found. It's the same story of three guys scoring all of the points, but their defense was good enough in this game for that to end up being a close win. I, I, I just don't, I got, there are a couple things here on one on, on each side of the equation. Um, Kansas's ceiling this year is going to come down to what can we know we're going to get from the perimeter from guys not named Kevin McCuller. That's what it's yep. going to come down to. They're going to lose to somebody in the NCAA tournament because they get nothing from the other six players that play, the other five players that play. I gave you what Adams, Dickinson, and McCuller did. The other three combined that score, Johnny Furphy, Dewan Harris, and El Marco Jackson, um, 15 points on uh, on five total made field goals. I need to not, whoever it is, and you'd love for it to be Dewan Harris, but I just don't think that, that it's going to be. I need to not have to group one of those guys in with the rest of that crew, if that makes sense. Yep. Yep. You just, it, it has to be somebody else. I don't really even care who it is because the other three guys are so good. And especially, you know, specifically uh, McCuller and Dickinson, like they're going to get you 85% of the way there almost every night. You just have to have somebody else that you can, that you can depend on. Um, on the Yukon side, I think this is what separates Zach Eady, Hunter Dickinson those two guys specifically from Donovan Klingon. And this was this was probably the biggest game of Klingon's career from a from a magnitude of the game relative to the importance that he has in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his actual right? role. Yeah. Right. Because of course, right, national championship, obviously, but yeah. Adamba Sonogo's performance in the national championship was way more important than Donovan Klingon's. Um this was Donovan Klingon going toe-to-toe with one of the two best big men in the country, if not the best, depending on who you ask. And and it just, you know, it was eight points. It was seven rebounds. It was three of eight from the field. It was it was fine. I mean, I'm not sure it was fine, but it clearly just wasn't on the level of Dickinson. And when they go toe-to-toe with these guys or, you know, Kalkbrenner, this was the question for me coming into the year is, you know, it less about can Donovan Klingon play for 30 minutes or play for 28 against most of the country. Like the answer to that question was going to be yes, but can he go toe to toe when there's nobody else to fall back on? Or can he just be the guy to go toe to toe with Hunter Dickinson? Can he be the guy to go toe to toe with Zach Eady? Um, You know, I'm not writing Donovan Klingon off, but like this was the first really massive, like, okay, this is like, you might be the guy on the graphic next to Hunter Dickinson. And, and that's a, that's a a significant thing. And it was right. We're not punting on anybody here, but it was clear that it was, 
this is the first time that he was feeling that type of pressure with his role being so big. And more specifically, the difference between he and probably you could throw Kalkbrenner in there as well. He doesn't create his own offense outside of offensive rebounds. Sure. Right. That's part of the reason this happened is because they couldn't run set plays for most of the game because Kansas's defense was so good. And so it was the guards improvising. And to their credit, they made an incredible amount of really difficult shots. Mm-hmm. You don't have that worry if you're Bill Self. You don't have that worry if you're Matt Painter. You know your guys can go get you buckets, whether it's down in the paint, whether it's spreading the floor a little bit, and Colt Brenner falls into that category too. You know that you can get them the ball and they can make things happen. Mm-hmm. Klingon isn't there yet. It's a very, very good, important observation. Which is, it's fine, but it's, you know, it's clear. It was like, oh yeah, that guy only played 12 minutes per game last year or 15, whatever it was. So, And he uh, has a limited skill set. Yeah, but he's not a terrific offensive player. Mm-hmm. At least not yet. He's got all kinds of raw potential and he does some things really, really well, but he's not a he right, he's just gonna go get you 20 because you can't guard him from right. a skill standpoint. Absolutely. Uh not only was it a there were there were plenty of top 15 teams that lost, both on the men's side and the women's side, specifically on Sunday, Josh, a couple of, of outcomes I want to point out to you here. Stanford, the number three team in the country, 78. The Gonzaga Bulldogs, 96. That's an 18-point loss for the Cardinal. Uh, we had a top 11 matchup between Texas and UConn in the Jimmy V Women's Classic. That was a 12-point win for the Longhorns. Where do you want to go here? Let's start with Stanford first because this is just jarring. Mm-hmm. The the fact that this is a final score that occurred. And Gonzaga has been a, a good program. But this is this is Stanford losing by 18. Now, the caveat here, Cameron Brinkton played the second half due to illness. This was a four-point mm-hmm. game at halftime. Yep. Correlation doesn't necessarily equal causation, but that is something that matters here. Mm-hmm. It's not like they got blown out for 40 minutes. And Cameron Brink is one of the most important players in the country because of what she gives you on both ends of the floor. The other interesting thing here is that this was not an offensive issue. Stanford actually shot better from the field and better from three. They turned the ball over nine more times, and that was the difference in the game. Mm -hmm. So of all of the ways to lose by 18, this is a pretty good one. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you don't have to look much further than the third quarter. I mean, they you, you, you lose... You lose Brink at halftime, and then you lose the third quarter by 16. And you lose by 18. Like, that doesn't... I'm not sure it has to be more complicated than that. Uh, Brenda Maxwell, 27 on 10 of 16. Another 27 bomb. Like, those two players, 21 of 32 on the Gonzaga side. Perfect. Awesome. Um, but uh, uh, when it comes to Stanford, I'm just not sure that, you know, I mean, Brink was, was, had a very big impact on the game. She 10.6 rebounds, four, four from the field in 11 minutes. You have to think that this one is at least more competitive if she plays the entire game. Now also concerning that you would think they should still be able to take care of business without her. Now, mm-hmm. of course it was a weird situation where it's not like they were preparing to be without her and then didn't have her the, you know, this was a thing that happened during the game, but still would have hoped that it didn't turn into that much of a disaster. And then UConn, Texas, 
congratulations, Texas. First win over UConn in program history. Rory Harmon, mm-hmm. 27 points, 13 assists. Fantastic performance. And this is the kind of thing that happens when Paige Becker has 13 points on 4 of 11 shooting. Mm-hmm. They just – it's becoming clear, and especially with her backcourt mate and best friend being out for the year and AZ Fudd, they just don't have enough if she's not great. And sometimes even if she's great, they don't have enough. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's it's just going to be hard to overcome against some of the other best teams in the country. They're just generally this particular UConn team is not built for that kind of we just kind of hit you over and over again from a million different directions. Right. I mean, it's not I, I don't think it's quite to the level of of Iowa and kind of the way that that you know offense and that team operates around Caitlin Clark, but it's not it's not dissimilar in no. terms of of the impact that that it has when when Beckers isn't as awesome as she normally is. Yeah. Yep. It's not that far off. Mm-hmm. 80 to 68, Texas over Yukon in the Jimmy V women's classic. Josh, anything else from the weekend before we get out of here? The and I mean there were other notable upsets and interesting result. Incredible weekend, number one, and two, just the parody. It's really, mm-hmm. really cool to see that both men's and women's side. You just cannot take anything for granted. This mm-hmm. has been chaos so far and a lot of fun. Love it. Love it. We get some more conference action this week. Um, Big East Big 12 battle is not over yet. Some Jimmy V Classic stuff will be awesome at Madison Square Garden. You get a UNC-UConn matchup. Plenty of good basketball over the next week or so before we get into that kind of lull of of you know 10 days or so before big east and acc play really get into action where you get some you get some uh less intriguing games but plenty early in this week to be excited for that's the under a podcast for sunday december 3rd it is 8 32 p.m be sure to subscribe to the podcast where you listen to your shows follow the under eight pod on twitter tiktok and youtube thank you so much for being here and we will see you on monday night 